Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. We are continuing our exploration through Sharon Salzberg, The Kindness Handbook. And as a brief review, the first Sunday, Reverend Larry introduced to us three habitual patterns that prohibit us from extending kindness to ourselves and to others. And he walked us through those three. One is fear. One is jealousy that he described as feeling not enough, not having enough, and always thinking that there's more out there and I don't have it. And the third is judgment, the big one judgment. And then on week two, we looked at kindness for self. And what the author shares with us is that kindness to ourself is one of the best and most healing trajectories for personal transformation and enlightenment. So when we give kindness to ourself, we begin to open our heart and open our mind to be able to extend that to others. And so that brings us to today's topic, which is the giving heart, kindness to others. And there's four specific things that we're going to look at in our walk through this topic today. One is dissolving rigid boundaries that we hold between ourselves and others. A second is including rather than excluding, so embracing inclusivity. Third is acting with intent, and then fourth is being thoughtful. So four things that we're going to explore as we look at opening our hearts and opening our minds to being able to extend kindness to others. So let's take a look at the first one, dissolving rigid boundaries that we hold between ourselves and others. You know, the holiday season is upon us, and many of us are going to have opportunities to share time with family and friends, and that's a what I would call a spiritual growth opportunity. Because many of us are in um, environments that oftentimes we feel like we're being boxed into the past, or we find ourselves perceiving someone as we knew them from the past. Whether they've changed or not, we haven't acknowledged that they've changed. Or whether we've changed or not, we feel that someone isn't acknowledging that we've changed. And so therefore, there's these kind of rigid boundaries of the past that are binding us into not being able to fully express the truth of who we are in the current moment. And so there's two things that I'm going to share with you that we can do to be begin to dissolve those boundaries. One is that we can ask for clarification in our communication, and the second is that we can pay attention, full, meaningful attention. And I have two personal examples to illustrate both of these points. So one is asking for clarification. So it's oftentimes someone will share something and we immediately jump to an assumption that what they're saying, we already know what they mean. And this week, my sister uh, sent me a package. Now, she was very firm earlier this year that said, we're not sharing Christmas presents, no Christmas presents, we're not doing that, we end up spending more in postage. And I was like, okay, and she sent a text, please honor my wishes. I'm like, okay, no Christmas presents. But of course, I did find her something and I mailed her. It wasn't... It wasn't a Christmas present. It was just something thoughtful. 
Well, when she called to say that she received it, she goes, well, by the way, there's a package in the mail for you too. And she goes, it's not a Christmas present. Well, what I received, and for the podcast listeners, what I'm holding up is a small square Christmas pillow in lime green with a Christmas red border. And in the center is the picture of an ornament, and it says, Dear Santa, define good. We hear the lyrics, you better be good, all right? Well, with with this pillow was a note from my sister. She said, you always asked mother to explain why. You were always pushing the boundaries. And so therefore, I thought you could ask Santa to find good. Well, this is a way when we're communicating with someone, we can ask, for what reason are you sharing that particular event from our past? It might be that we would really wish that to go away, but yet somebody sitting at the Christmas dinner table is bringing the story up. We might ask, for what reason do you continue to share that story? Or if someone is sharing something and we don't understand the definition or we think we understand, we can say, what is your meaning of So we're asking for clarification. And in that way, we may not necessarily agree with them, but at least we've reached out to understand their perspective. So ask for clarification. The second is that we can pay close attention. And in paying close attention, we can pay close attention to what is being said and done and what isn't being said and done. I like to call the what isn't being said and done the secret sounds. These are the sounds that there is an intention, there is something that is being communicated, but it's not being said and it's not being done. Well, I have an example from with my eldest sister. Since she retired several years ago, our lives have pretty much moved like ships that are set on different courses, and we're just moving in a different direction. It isn't that there's been any hostility. There is, hasn't been something to create a, a schism between us. It's just we're moving in different paths. Well, I know that my two sisters have had a major disagreement, and I perceived that all of a sudden I wasn't getting calls from my eldest sister. That was kind of how we communicated. She would call every so often. And I thought, I wonder if she's thinking that I've taken sides because it's not, this is not between me and my eldest sister. This is between my middle sister and my eldest sister. So I thought, okay, I'm not sure what she's feeling, but I want her to know that I care. And so I found, uh, she travels extensively, she and her husband cruise. So I found some lovely things that I knew would pack easily for when they go on their cruise trips. And I found a lovely card, and in it, I apologized for not initiating communication over the last several months. And I said, ministerial school was really, really challenging this past term. Not that that's an excuse. I admit I did not initiate. And I apologize. I just want you to know I'm thinking of you, and I'm sending you Merry Christmas wishes. Well, I received a lovely call back, and we had this fabulous communication, and in it, the gift of acceptance. It was like for the first time in 20 years, I felt that each of us accepted the path that each of us is on. No more shoulds about family should get together or we should communicate in this way or we should be in contact. It was simply that we acknowledged that we cared for each other and that whatever is in this now moment is totally acceptable. 
And I just felt such a sense of freedom. And then last night I was at work, and when I was in the break room, I looked at my smartphone, and there was a lovely little text from her that said, I just happened to remember some of the holidays we spent when we lived in Minneapolis-St. Paul. And there were some things that we used to do together. Just wanted to, you know, wanted you to know I was remembering. Love, Melva. And it was just the sweetest thing, and I thought, we've connected again. So what the author is telling us is that uh, when we ask for clarification and when we pay attention, the true gift that we are giving and receiving is the opportunity to be in the present moment. And as Science of Mind teaches, spirit works in the now. So when we stay in the present moment, when we are asking for clarification, what are you meaning by that right here, right now? Uh, in what way is what is happening right here, right now? This is the now moment, and what is available to us is infinite possibility. We get to choose to make loving connection, and in essence, it is the gift of connection. So then let's look at the second, including rather than excluding. And the author shares a really sweet story that she was leading a meditation group in the D.C. area, and the venue was an elementary school auditorium. And she noticed that all around were rules for kindness. And one of the rules was everyone can play. And she found that very fascinating. She started contemplating on that on a daily basis. And what came up was she noticed so many individuals feeling isolated and invisible. And so part of what she's advocating is that when we become mindful that everyone can play, we change our behavior to ensure that we're including others in conversation, in activities, that we are reaching out to others. Well, the word invisible became kind of a poignant word for me this week because uh, this was the first week that there was a break between terms for ministerial school. So I went out to happy hour with some of my friends on Monday. And in that conversation, though, the word invisible came up. Because what happened was the waitstaff person came over and there was three women and we're totally engaged in conversation. The waitstaff person asked me if I had everything I needed and then, and then walked away. And they said, as if we're invisible. And I, ju I just stopped and I thought, I have never felt invisible. Ever. I may have gotten attention that I didn't want, but, I didn't, but I've never felt invisible. And so these are highly accomplished women. One is a, a very accomplished musician. Another is a very accomplished in the financial industry. And so I said, let's have a dialogue about this and go deeper. And so we've scheduled time that we'll do that after the holidays. The second thing is that Invisible came up when I was reading an online article about the sexual harassment scandal at NBC's Today Show. And some women shared that there were two things. One was that if they were the object of desire, that was one situation. But what they described as even worse was if the perpetrator found them non-sexually attractive, they became invisible.
It didn't matter how competent they were. It didn't matter the quality of work that they produced. It didn't matter the contribution they were making to the success of the show. They were invisible to the person in power who had the power to advance their careers. And so that was the less desirable situation, was to be invisible because it impacted their ability to make the contribution of the gift of their skills to the success of the show. So again, I look at it and I say, in what way can we, throughout this holiday season, engage in kindness to others by taking time to include all voices. So if we're sitting around the table, if there's someone who hasn't said very much, making a point to ask that person to share, what do you think? What are your ideas about this? And we can acknowledge the contributions that individuals have made to the health, the harmony, the love in our family. We can let people know that they matter so that we can be the antidote to isolation and to be uh, people feeling invisible. And if we look at the third thing, acting with intent. The author suggests that we often value our actions in terms of two things, whether they produce the outcome we're looking for, the doing the good that we envisioned, and secondly, is it done in the time frame that we allocated to it. Well, we know on the spiritual path, it's spirit's time, it's not our time. And that oftentimes the good that results from an action comes way down the line, that we've simply been the person that planted the seed. So she, she shares that from a Buddhist tradition, there is something far more valuable in our actions, and that is the intent with which we take the action. She said one can take an action either from love or from hatred. From a I want to do this versus I have to do this. And so we can act with intent. Many of us that have studied Emma Curtis Hopkins, who is the metaphysical teacher of teachers, was a very prominent teacher for our founder, Ernest Holmes, always said there is a good for you and you ought to have it, name it and claim it. And she said, set a daily intention. And her phrase was, my intention for my most high good today is, and then you name your good. She said, that way you're naming it and you're claiming it. It's available, just name it and claim it. And so in this sense, the author is saying, what an intention does is it casts forth before you a vision for what it is you want to happen for the day. So it could be something, for example, uh, one of mine is I give thanks for the safe travel to, to and from all my destinations. We know that traffic here in Portland can get pretty hectic. And so the thing of it is, is I intend I am safe. Wherever I am, I am safe. One time I, I had a flat tire. It just so happened I was on a place on I-5 where I could pull off safely. Barely, but I was safe. And so we can intend that. And why are they so important? Because we determine our experience. We get to choose 
what our experience is. And when we make a daily practice of setting an intention, we're claiming the highest and best good, not only for ourselves. And just as Marilyn's song, that my intention, my Christmas wish, my adult Christmas wish is for the best of everyone, we can intend that on a daily basis. And so what does intent look like at the holidays? Well, I learned a couple of things from um, some of my customers at Fred Meyer. One woman came through and somehow we got on the topic of the holiday hours and I mentioned that we were closing on Christmas Eve at 4 p.m. And then somehow there was a lull in the line and I said, oh, do you and your family have any special traditions you do on Christmas Eve? She lit up like a Christmas tree and and she became, you know, her posture changed, everything, you know, stood more straight. And she said, my family and I have made a decision. And I said, oh, really, what is that? And she said, well, every year, this is tradition, all the extended relatives go to my grandmother's. There's about 100 people that gather on Christmas Eve. And she says, there's too much food, there's too much booze, it's too noisy, it's too boisterous, it's chaos. And she said, we get home and we don't feel very good about it. And she said, we sat down this year as a family and decided what our family was going to do for Christmas Eve this year. And we've chosen not to go. We've said, thank you for thinking of us, but no, we will not be attending. So that's an intention. We get to choose. A second customer came through and she had this big cart filled with socks and with gloves. And I just said, oh, you must have a large family. And she said, no, She said, every year I've spent a lot of time and a lot of money intentionally picking out gifts that I thought were meaningful for my family. And she said, and every year it seems like it's not the right size, it isn't what they want, and what they really want are gift cards. And she said, so everyone in the family is getting gift cards, but I've taken a major portion of my budget and I've allocated it to these socks and these gloves, and I am taking them to a homeless shelter. She said, people are getting what they want in my family. They want gift cards. For me, that's kind of a thoughtless gift, but that's what they want. And she said, in this way, this brings me joy. I am giving with an intention of helping someone enrich their lives. She said, this brings me joy. So we can have the intent of the kind of gift we are giving. If it's just gifts and we feel unfulfilled with it, change our behavior. And what about paying attention to our intentions? We serve as a role model. Think about the woman that said, our family is choosing not to be there. My guess is there's a lot of other family members that are like, oh my God, we have to go to grandma's house this afternoon. And they think it's too boisterous and there's, I mean, there may be a lot of others. And so this is a role model. And in essence, they're a conduit of possibility that there are other possibilities available. We don't have to continue doing the same thing simply because we've done it. For the woman who felt very unfulfilled and very unappreciated for all the time that she put into selecting those gifts, she was able to balance what the family wanted with her need for feeling that she was making a contribution and it was intentional giving. So we, when we act with intent, we have that opportunity to be a conduit of possibility. And so this brings us to our at-home assignment, if you wish to participate. 
I'm bringing back, Reverend Larry has been encouraging us for several months now to write daily gratitude statements in advance, rather than waiting to the end of the day and saying, I am grateful for. He is encouraging us to envision what it is that we would like to receive for the day and write a statement of thanks. I give thanks for at the beginning of the day. And then watch the universe just rush in to make that a yes. I'll share an example of how it works. I found this term extremely challenging in one particular class. And I had papers due, and it was like there was just this block. And so every day I'm writing, I give thanks for divine inspiration to complete this project on time with quality. Well, I submitted that paper with five minutes to spare. It was due, it was due at midnight one night. I had five minutes to spare, and it was with quality, with what I would call acceptable quality. There was a statement in the Science of Mind magazine. Some of you may have seen it. It's, it said, perfection is good, done is better. <laughs> done is better. Okay, that moves us to being thoughtful. In the bookstore last week, I was doing some shopping, and I found one of the little um, kind of touchstones, and it says, only you can give the gift of you. And so what I'm asking each of us is to remember that each of us can only give the gift of us, that there is a gift within each of us that only we can give, and it is the gift of our presence so amidst all the other presents that are under the tree that are being given, it is our presence that really matters when we show up to a family event or to sharing time with individuals. And I think it's beautifully articulated by Dr. Uh, Reverend Ken Gordon, who is the spiritual leader for Centers for Spiritual Living. And in his 2017 Christmas message, he brings back words from Ernest Holmes. So here's what Dr. Ken Gordon had to share. In his magnificent Christmas prayer, Ernest Holmes encourages us to let our minds be like a stable in that we include all of who we are as individuals and as a global society in our love and our light. This wholeness is the true meaning of this season. Let our minds be like a stable. The ability to see the uh, divine in the ox and the lamb, as well as the babe in the manger, is the true meaning of a divine and sacred life. So as we go forward with a giving heart, extending kindness to others, let us allow ourselves to dissolve the rigid boundaries. Let us allow ourselves to remember that everyone can play. Let us allow ourselves to remember that we can act with intent, that we are always at choice. And let us always remember that our presence is one of the greatest gifts that we can give and that our minds can be the manger of wholeness and inclusivity. So let this holiday season be one of an open heart and extending kindness to others. Let us pray. Right here, in this now moment, the manger of divine life is the truth of reality. For there is only one 
There's one power. There's one presence. There's one infinite intelligence filled with infinite possibility. It is perfect. It is whole. It is all that is. I know it is the truth of my life, for the very substance of my physical body is the substance of spirit. It is the substance of light. And as this is true of my life, I know it to be the truth of each person here, that the substance of the physical body is light, and that that light guides, protects, and ensures safe passage. And so I claim and affirm, and I speak my word for and about each person here as we move through this holiday season, that there is a willingness to open the heart and to open the mind, to extend the highest and best wishes to self and to all others, that there be no one that feels invisible or isolated. For each person here is that light that extends a warm heart and a loving kindness to each individual and includes all who are around them. And I claim and affirm that as we move forward, there is no obstacle to extending kindness to others. Any judgment, any fear, any jealousy simply dissipates, flows back into the nothingness, for it does not stand on principle. There is nothing to sustain it. And each person chooses to let that flow back into the nothingness from which it came. And in that open, expansive space is love, is harmony, is balance, and this willingness to give the gift of one's presence. That presence that is love. That presence that is harmony that presence that is cooperation, that presence that is peace. This is the true gift of the season. And I claim and affirm that each person allows their mind to be that manger of wholeness and inclusiveness. And I am so grateful for this truth that God is all there is and expressing in, through, and as each person here today. And so I am so grateful for this truth. I release my word into the activity and action of the law, knowing it always says yes. So with absolute conviction, together we say, and so it is. Thank you for your presence here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, 
You are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.